Jim Conley from McGraw-Hill Education, and you're listening to this episode of Grow Microbiology. And I think you guys all have me figured out by now. I think every show that I do, I always say, this is my favorite show, but I must tell you that this one really is close to my heart because I'm proud and privileged to be here with you with Bridget McGowan-Hawkins, and she's an awesome person. I can't wait for you guys to all get to meet her uh, virtually here through the podcast waves. But a quick story about Bridget. So I met Bridget, it was roughly about a year ago, and I was involved in a training session and Bridget had come in, and also want to give a shout-out, too, to Natalie King for discovering Bridget. They have a great relationship, and, and that's how uh, we got to know Bridget here through McGraw-Hill. And so Bridget did this awesome workshop on the words that you choose and presenting and just all this great stuff. And then, of course, I subscribed to her blog, which I think you all should do. She'll give you details on that at some point. But I got to build this relationship virtually with Bridget and we do the show for educators here on the Succeed in AMP. I thought, what a great marriage. Why not have Bridget on the show? But there's an even better reason why she's here. So she did a post, and I'll read a little bit of what I had uh, grabbed from this. She said, do this, and no one will ever miss your class or presentation again. And boy, oh boy, right away I was hooked. Why? Because we all know that students may sit in your class, but you don't want them to just sit there taking up space, uh, looking at their Facebook or whatever else they're going to be doing. You want to engage them, and that's what Bridget really was talking about, is not only you know physically missing the class, but mentally missing the class. That's not going to happen. And she had some awesome, awesome stuff in there. So, Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. So excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So for the audience, um, how long have you been in the consulting business? And then really what, what inspired you to start that business? Sure, Jim. I have been a part of professional development and faculty development consulting industries since 2009. Actually, I started teaching back in 2002, taught for a, a community college system in the Houston area. I also taught for the Texas A&M University system. And I was inspired to start my business when a friend, who is also a business owner, saw me present at a conference in New Orleans in 2013. She immediately told me I should start my own public speaking company and that if I didn't, then what she was going to do was she was going to buy my domain name, she's so sneaky, wait for me to come to my <laughs> senses, <laughs> then charge me a million dollars for the web address. What do you think about that, Jim? Some friends. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, how can you say no, Bridget? So years later, I did come to my senses, and in 2016, I started my business, BMAC Talks, LLC, BMC, T-A-L-K-S, and I'm thankful that friend planted that idea in my head and that she was only teasing me about that domain purchase. <laughs> <laughs> now, I should have cleared this before, but are you at liberty to say who this friend was? Yes, and not even, not was, but is. She's still a friend. Her name Good. Is, yes, yes. Her name is Kyla Givehand. She's, she's just amazing, doing all kinds of things in the creative business strategy world. And she also used to teach. That's kind of how we got connected. I was doing faculty development for an educational technology company, and her husband was one of my colleagues. And she tagged along with him at the conference and decided to attend my session and We've been friends ever since. Actually, I've been friends with her husband since 2011, and then I met her in 2013, I believe, or maybe before, but really became friends after that presentation and after she pushed me into that world of entrepreneurship. 
Boy, what a great friend. So, Kyla, this is a quick shout-out to you. Thank you for inspiring Bridget. And I'm a big believer in scale and legacy and all those fun things. And I'll tell you this much, that Kyla, or your work, Kyla, with Bridget, has really impacted me personally. And then now, look, we get to share this with hundreds and thousands of instructors out there that will be listening to this. So your legacy lives on. So thanks for challenging Bridget. But then also, Bridget's going to send you an invoice later for that domain name. I believe it was like maybe 13 bucks or something like that. She probably got it through GoDaddy or something like that. And, you know, that will be no problem, right? Done and done. Stick a fork in. <laughs> Actually, I don't know who would owe who right now when you look at it, but uh, thank you, Kyla, for doing that. It's been great. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Bridget, you've got this philosophy of be seen, be heard, and be great. I personally love that so much. What is it in your words? Ah, the BMAC Talks tagline, be seen, be heard, be great. I look at it this way, Jim. It's not enough for people to just see you on the stage, and it's not enough for you to just be heard on the mic. But when both happen, and when you pay close attention to how you are seen and how you are heard, so you are using those power words and you are using those power motions, then that, my friend, is when you are great, when you're paying attention to everything. And you're not just great. You're, you're actually amazing. But I didn't, you know, be seen, be heard, be amazing, just didn't have the right ring to it. So <laughs> when you have the right appearance and when you know how to speak with power, then you are on top of the world, no stopping you. Oh, yeah. And I know through reading your many blog posts on this, you have one that I remember real well where it said, like, your words matter. Yes. And yes. to me, when I read that, I was like, I could see Bridget right in front of me. I can hear Bridget. She's explaining this to me. But that's why I just love that be seen, be heard, be great. And it really is a full picture of who you are. And, you know, this is as business people in the world, but most definitely when you're a faculty member at a community college for your school, everything you say matters. And this philosophy applies to faculty in a big, big way. It does. It, it, it does. I mean, students see you there. They hear you. But when you put it all together and when you come to the classroom with your passion, with your excitement, with an absolute love for your discipline. Students cannot help but to feel that. It's, it's a full-on package. We, we can't just assume that students are going to love our discipline and love our content and, and the information from our textbooks as much as we love it. Because they're, they're just there for a moment in our classrooms. But if we can show them and let them hear our passion and our enthusiasm and our excitement Oh, we set the room on fire. Oh, yeah. Well, on that note, your recent article that you had uh, hooked me on in terms of no one will ever miss your class or presentation again, um, you talked a lot about lecturing and how you can make them great. What motivated you to tackle such a big topic? Picture it. Sicily. Two th no, I'm kidding. I love the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I do as well. I do. I'm forever stuck in TV land. We're both stuck there together, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was late 2011 or maybe early 2012, and I convinced my manager at the time to approve my attendance at a, at a training and development conference that was taking place in Denver. 
You know, we've, we've all done it, or a lot of us have done it. I've got to get to this conference. It's going to change my life. It's going to make me so amazing. So it was a conference for corporate trainer types, learning and development professionals, those kinds of experts. And I attended a session that focused on meeting facilitation and how to make the most out of uh, the time that you spend with executives and C-level employees when you have to conduct a meeting or when you have to make a presentation before them. And there were nine things that the presenter said you needed to do in order to give a top-notch presentation or how to run a meeting like a pro. There was this nine-step process to follow. And in one of those steps was where he said something that resonated with me. He said, in the first few minutes, you have to do four things. You have to excite, engage, involve, and inform your audience. I thought, you know, he's right. And this doesn't just go for executive types or C-level types. <laughs> this goes for everybody, especially students. And I figured this out along the way, trial and error, after starting my teaching career but I sure wish I'd seen that session back in 2002 when I first stepped into the classroom as an educator. So as educators, we cannot assume we have captive audiences just because we have these sets of eyes in front of us. One of the biggest challenges educators face is getting students' minds off of everything else going on outside of that classroom and off of their phones and 100% on the lesson. So with a lot of tweaking, a lot of reading, researching, and thinking about my experience, not only as an educator, but also when I was a student and what I would have liked to have seen in the classroom. And thinking about post-secondary best practices and teaching methodologies. That conference session led me to explore this topic further of how class sessions are not that much different from board meetings and that they should be in that. They should be approached with as much purpose and as much intention as possible, and they should be designed in a way that lets students know this is going to be time well spent. This is going to be a good one. I love that. And I know in your article you talked about making sure that you have an exciting opener. So can you give the audience an example of what you might use personally? <laughs> okay, Jim, hmm. you should know me by now. I love, I, I love a story. I love building up with excitement. That's what we're talking about, I guess. So it makes sense. But so before I give you the example, I have to let you in on a secret. This is probably one of my biggest, most coveted presentation skills secrets for creating an exciting opener. And I don't think I've told it to too many people, if anybody at all. But I like you, Jim, and I and I like your listeners. So I'm going to I give thank it. you for that. <laughs> now I have to caution you: when you hear it, you're going to say, "What? That's it." <laughs> That's all you got, Bridget. But Those just, are usually the best ones, though. <laughs> if you use this secret on a consistent basis in the classroom, boardroom, virtual classroom, what have you, you're going to be a rock star. So here's the secret. You paint a picture of where the audience is and where it wants to be, and then you tell everyone what he or she will be able to do or what he or she will know by the time you finish. So I'll say that again. You paint a picture of where the audience is right now and where the audience wants to be, and then you tell everybody what it is they're going to know or what it is they're going to be able to do once you finish with your presentation. That second part is the clincher. It's what 
seals the deal. It's what has people on the edges of their seats. So here's how it works. Here's that example of the exciting opener. So let's say I'm making a presentation on huh, presentation skills. Surprise, surprise. Here's my exciting opener. You've seen a number of presentations over the years. Some were awesome, while others were a complete mess. And you wonder, how do you get on the stage and rock it out? How can you go from feeling overwhelmingly anxious to amazingly awesome? By the time we finish with this presentation, you get that? You will know not only why you dread making presentations, but you will also know the number one secret every expert presenter uses to be a powerhouse behind the microphone. And you will know how to take that secret to completely eliminate the jitters and go from making presentations that are okay to presentations that are OM goodness. And so when you hear that, you're excited. I painted a picture of where you are and where you want to be, and then the goodness, the juicy part, the exciting part is, I told you what you would know or be able to do, and you're thinking, I want that. Give it to me right now. Let's do this. And right now I am just nodding my head feverishly. You probably remember that when I was sitting in the room when you were doing your opener way back when, when we first met a year ago, the same thing. And I love every part about that because now what you're doing is you're basically saying, here's what you can do. Like, if you pay the price of listening to me, this is what the end result's going to be. I can visibly see that. I can emotionally see that. And I'm really excited. So you've got me hooked. But the one thing that might come out, you know, if you're, you're listening to this, you might say, I could do that one time. But how do you keep that momentum lecture after lecture after lecture? Here's another secret. It doesn't fall on your shoulders. As the educator at the front of the room, as a presenter at the front of that room, do not feel like it falls on your shoulders. You keep up the momentum by making it a conversation. First, figure out what it is you're going to present, what it is you're going to cover in class. Check. That's the information part. Excite, engage, inform, involve. That's the information part. What are the three things students will know or be able to do by the time you finish with your class session or five things, whatever it is. Then you create that exciting opener, promising them what they'll know or be able to do. Then you keep the momentum going by delivering that information, but do not put the onus on you to do all the talking. That's how you keep the momentum going. You lecture for about 10 to 12 minutes at a time. Then you have the students process that information. And they process it by you giving them an open-ended question that's based on that 10 to 12-minute lecture. You give them that question, and either they can partner up and discuss it with a classmate next to them. They can get into teams of three or four. You've heard all of the different active learning techniques and classroom engagement techniques. You can have them discuss with a partner and then share with a large group. However, but while they're doing that discussion, that quick two- to three-minute discussion, three- to five-minute discussion, you're recharging. You're getting ready to go on to the next topic. You're getting ready to keep the momentum going. You reset your energy level to get excited about the next agenda item, and then you move on. So don't feel like the microphone always has to be right in front of you, but you get your audience talking too. You make it a two-way street, so it's a conversation. That's how you keep that momentum going. 
boy, I love that. And then you leverage the masses too. So then you're going to have, you know, your first adopters, like the, the A and the B students out there, they might bring along those C and D students and really help our faculty with that too. Exactly. I think it's great. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a perfect, a perfect pairing. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so in the subject of anatomy and physiology, I know a lot of our listeners will probably be thinking about this, but in Bridget's article, she talks about working memory, and in A&P, we have a lot of information that our faculty are disseminating. The textbooks are somewhere 1,300 pages, some might be 800 pages, 600 pages, so there's a lot of content. And one of the questions that they might be thinking about with our listeners is what do you do or how do you know if your student's working memory is full? <laughs> I have a serious answer and a not-so-serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> we want both of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're in luck. You are in luck. Well, here's the serious answer. So in the middle of the 20th century, you may have heard of a man by the name of George A. Miller, and he developed this chunking concept where he found first that the working memory could hold only about five to seven chunks of information at a time. But now it's thought that it's closer to three or four chunks of information at a time is what the working memory can hold on to. So in answering the question of how do you know if your student's working memory is full, it starts with using this rule of thumb, which is to never lecture longer than half the average age of your audience. What I mean is, it, right, that's how you keep that, that working memory from going into overdrive or filling up too much or overfilling. So if the average age, and I'll say that one more time, a good rule of thumb is to never lecture more than half the average age of your audience. So if the average age of the student in your classroom is, let's say, 24, then you want to lecture for no more than about 12 minutes before you give them three to five minutes to make sense of what you just said. Then you lecture for another 12 minutes. And then the students make sense of what you said. They process what you said by you asking one of those fantastic open-ended questions that has them process that 12-minute lecture. Now, 12 minutes or whatever the math is that you arrive at is not a hard and fast rule. This is where I get into the not-so-serious answer. You know your students, and you can tell when they get that glazed-over look, right? When you see that, then the working memory is full, and it's time to change gears. So what? <laughs> I love you, it. You can just prepare for it and just say, I am not going to lecture for no more than about 10 minutes, and then I've got to give them a few minutes to think about what I just said. Because you have to remember, your students are hearing what you're saying for the first time from you. Yes, they may have taken an A&P course from someone else. Maybe they took an introductory course, and this is an advanced course. Therefore, there are some concepts that are not new to them. However, they are hearing your perspective on those concepts for the first time. They need to stop and make sense of it. Just think about it. If I said, hey, what did you have for dinner yesterday? You would have to stop and think for a second. Well, the types of questions and the types of information and concepts and content, my goodness, that students are getting in an A&P course oh, are far advanced beyond uh, steak and potatoes. So you have to remember that students are 
new to your perspective, new to your point of view, and they're going to need that time to digest it. So just build that into the class setting. And then, again, just pay attention to that body language. I'm telling you, it can speak so much more loudly than verbal communication. It is true. So I've thought back a little bit since I read your article and I knew I was going to be asking all these questions. I've seen that look uh, when I've been presenting, and I think some of the folks that are listening might not be 100% surprised by that, but it just happens even to people like myself who think they're really good at it. Um, you're just naturally going to find that you're either talking too long or you're not maintaining your energy, but they're just going to disconnect, and you most definitely know when the baseline of your audience is gone. You just yes. know, right? Blank stares, they don't answer your questions, they struggle answering your questions, you know, and we have thoughts about that as presenters. But uh, the one thing I was thinking about, so you've got this whole concept of 12 to 15 minutes, which is going to be right on the money for our demographics, so the average age is 27. So roughly 12 to 15 minutes, and then you're going to stop, you're going to ask some open-ended questions, and then all of a sudden somebody's going to ask, well, I have a lot to cover, Bridget. So how do I cover more material, you know, with this approach? Will it cut into my traditional time? Right. And that, I tell you, Jim, you, you're spot on with that question. It's a fabulous question, and it's a valid question. What you do in this instance, and this is so hard because when you're passionate about your, your content, you want to cover every single thing. And you just feel an obligation to cover the textbook from, from cover to cover. But in this instance, what you do is you use this technique called the gold, silver, and bronze nuggets technique. What you do is you look at or you think about all of the material, all of the material you have to cover. And then you put each piece of material into one or one of the three categories. You put each piece of material either in the gold nugget category, silver nugget category, or the bronze nugget category. The items that you must cover, hands down, without a doubt, go into the gold nugget category. These are the five things I must cover in this class. I cannot leave it to the students to cover. They are integral to the students understanding the key concepts in the course, and those are just the ones I don't want to leave to students to their own devices to understand. Those are the gold nuggets. Then you step back and you look at what are some items I could cover if I had an extra 10 minutes in class to fill. Then those are going to go into the silver nugget category. And then for those topics that are left over, if you had all the time in the world to pontificate or what have you, you could cover them. Those go into the bronze nugget category. That's really, really tough for people who are incredibly passionate about their disciplines, and they just could go on and on and on. I'm one of those people. <laughs> it really oh, yeah. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> but it really helps when you just step back and say, what are those things that they must have, without a doubt, uh, if I didn't get a chance to say anything else to them, these, these go into the gold nugget category, and then you just organize from, from there on with the silver and the bronze nuggets, and that helps you pick out your priorities. I love it. And that's a nice, quick way to think about it. It's like one, two, three, gold, silver, bronze, simple, easy. Love that suggestion. So thank you for providing that. Sure. Because I think for our people um, that are listening to this, the faculty, 
that's going to be the big challenge, obviously. Is that, you know, this is going to require a change in some ways, but really not when you look at it, not really. You know, it's just a matter of organizing yourself a little bit differently. And then also taking a risk, which I think we've outlined very well, it's worth the risk. Because after all, you want to make sure no one's ever going to miss your class or presentation ever again, either mentally or physically. You so we already have them hooked, Bridget. We already have them hooked. <laughs> okay, now on your um, article, at the end of it, if I remember correctly, it's either on your article or your website, You've got a bunch of resources, and I looked at one of them, and they talked about how great speakers possess fear, and they just manage it. So for you, you know, being a master presenter, how do you manage the fear? This is what's so funny about it, Jim. You take the spotlight off of you. You take the spotlight off you, and you put it on the audience. So that's what I do. I think to myself, I am going to make this the most enjoyable, most valuable, relevant experience this crowd has ever seen. I am going to get them talking. I am going to get them writing, moving, reading, laughing. I am going to have them walking away thinking, whoa, that was so good. That was such a good use of my time. I cannot wait for the next session, for the next presentation, for the next talk. So what I encourage presenters of all industries, doesn't matter, education, professional, it doesn't matter. What I want you to do is do not stress about things like, what am I going to say? What do I do with my hands? Where do I stand? Yes, those things are important, but when you make the audience your number one priority and the experience everyone is going to have, when you think about that, then you are better positioned to manage the fear and manage the jitters. That's what I do. I don't worry too much about myself. I worry about how do I make sure this is going to be an experience and engagement that this audience will not soon forget. I love that. And as you were speaking about just how you manage the fear I was thinking about all the many educators that we serve here at McGraw-Hill Education, and I was vividly looking at some of them and just imagining what it would be like to be in their classroom. And we really have some phenomenal people that are already awesome at this. So what I'll throw out there is a, a challenge, if you will, is if you have a suggestion as how you manage the fear or how you involve your audience, like Bridget had mentioned, just drop me a line. You know my email address. It's james.connely at mheducation.com. I'd love to hear about that suggestion, and maybe we could blog on it or maybe uh, have you on the show perhaps, uh, maybe have a sh on the show with uh, Bridget. That would be kind of a fun thing. But uh, send that to me, and if you do, we'll say maybe the first three that submit them in, we'll uh, throw in a couple gift cards for you. Um, and maybe take your uh, family or friends out to a movie or whatnot. So send those in, and we'll use that as a nice little Easter egg for this episode. Ooh, I love that, Jim. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to uh, hear the follow-up on that, how that goes. That'll be fun. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun. So, Bridget, we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire, so I'm going to ask you some questions that might be a little bit challenging. So we've got a wide variety of people that listen to the show, um, and we're going to go right to the heart of the toughest customer for this particular topic, the seasoned professor with 10 to 15 years of experience lecturing, I've already got my thing down. I am rolling. I am good to go. But now all of a sudden they're listening to this and they're thinking, I wonder if Bridget would have advice for me. What would that be? 
<laughs> Jim, I'm sitting here trying to contain the laughter because I know the professor, the educator that you have in mind. When I first started doing faculty development several years ago, back in 2009, I, well, I was doing it for my department back in, I don't know, 2003, four or something like that. But I would go on campuses to do these faculty development sessions, and I would have some professors looking at me saying to themselves, I have food in my refrigerator older than you. What in the world do you have to share? So <laughs> I get it. My advice for the seasoned professor would be have fun. You've gotten down the basics. You teach class. You, you, you teach class with your eyes closed. You can teach class in your sleep. You're a genius. So now it's time to have fun. Let your hair down. Laugh at yourself. Be a rock star for your students. Be the teacher you wish you'd had when you were a student. That's it. I love that. One of my favorite questions whenever I talk with folks in the market is, what got you interested in teaching in the first place? 99.9% .9 of the time they have such an intense passion for whatever it is they're teaching, and that's where it all started. And that goes along with what you just said, which is go back to having fun. Yes, yes. Never can awesome. go wrong with that. Never can go wrong with fun. <laughs> no. I was having fun with a buddy yesterday. I kept saying, uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> and actually, that's a good way to look at that. What could possibly go wrong with having more fun while you're lecturing? I, I can't think of anything. You're right about your reviews, that. your positive reviews might go up. Your rate my professor, which I know is controversial, that might actually improve. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Okay, so now let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum, Bridget, if you don't mind. But now I'm a brand new adjunct faculty member, so I don't have a full time job uh, teaching yet, but I want to. And now I want to get into being the best lecturer I can be. What advice would you give me? Remember, the students are not hoping you crash and burn. They do not want to see you fall on your face. They are secretly cheering you on. I promise you that. They are hoping you will give them something useful, helpful, important. Nobody is going to throw tomatoes at you or rotten eggs at you. Or let's say someone does, okay? It's the 21st century. You never know. If someone does, you just pick it up, throw it in the trash can, and say, that's not how we operate in my classroom. <laughs> but... <laughs> The bottom line is just know you've got this. Remember, the students are really, really wanting to see you do a dynamic job, and you're going to do just that. You've got this. Just relax and take it one day at a time. You're going to be great. Uh, you're going to rock it out. Love it. And we're all here to support you. And I, what I mean by that is you have an extensive community here at McGraw-Hill Education and beyond that want to see you succeed. And we want to be a part of that and really not only watch that, but facilitate that if we can. So definitely take that advice. It's awesome. Okay, Bridget, a couple last quick questions. Uh, this one is one that I selfishly wanted to ask you. What is the best presentation strategy that you've ever used of all time? <laughs> I, As if I haven't asked you enough already, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, Jim, there are so Many, there are so many, but I think the one that has served me the best is never let them see you sweat. No matter if you if you got lost while you were trying to find the place, if your technology fails, if one of your slides is missing, the video doesn't play, your font doesn't show up correctly on the slide, and activity flops, you lose your train of thought, anything, if anything goes wrong, it does not matter. I don't care what it is in the presentation. 
Never let them see you sweat. You smile and you speak calmly and you make it clear that everything's all right and you're having the time of your life and that there is absolutely nowhere else you'd rather be or nothing else you'd rather be doing than spending time right here, right now, with the people gathered in front of you. And I'm telling you, that's my number one, I think, number one presentation strategy, Jim. Oh, I love that. And if you don't mind, I'm going to share a quick story. This is kind of a fun one. And you probably remember when you were training us, I was sitting next to Kelly Brown. Yes, over to the left. You're right. He, yeah, exactly. And he and I are roughly the same size. We often get confused uh, as brothers. There's some fun stories about that. But one of the things I vividly remember when I first started at McGraw-Hill Education a number of years ago was I would always sweat when I was presenting. And some of it was I was just so excited, and I would get really fired up. I still have that same trait today. But one trick that I learned, and I learned it in a very weird way, so I used to be a college basketball referee, and I know that's probably crazy to hear. Not everybody does that, but that was a fun thing for me to do. What I learned is that you could really control your emotional response through the cadence of your breathing and just thinking about your surroundings and really slowing it all down. So basketball is a really fast-paced sport, right? So it comes back to Kelly Brown. Before I was going to present, we were doing a training session down in St. Louis with George Johnson. George, if you're listening, hi, hope you're doing well. And a bunch of our colleagues, and Kelly had said, he was my boss at the time, and he said to a couple of our friends, oh, watch, as soon as Jim gets up there, he's immediately going to start beating up. And as you all know, if you've seen me in person, I have a bald head. So if I do that, you can't really hide it. How you hide it is you have to, like, get rid of it, and that's a signal that you're sweating. So it's really hard to not display this, right? So what I did, Bridget, I was thinking, geez, i got to really control this better. So I thought back to my officiating days of, like, paying attention to your breathing, the cadence of your talk, the power and the pontification slowing down a little bit, um, not getting as excited but still capturing, you know, the audience's attention. And what I did, Bridget, was the whole time I kept talking smack, to Kelly, I'd say, see, still not sweating yet. And I would literally point to my forehead and be like, hey, look, no sweat beads are here yet. And it was a blast. Absolute blast. So it's great advice. And shout out to Kelly Brown, too. Kelly, I know you're listening to this. You're a great friend. You listen to all these podcasts. We really appreciate it. So Bridget and I say hi to you. You know, and, and Kelly, uh, uh, you, Jim and I have a barbecue date. We still got to fulfill that. We, we, oh, yes. Kelly, we, we are definitely going to have to make good on that, Bridget. So we're going to have to find out where Kelly and I might be in the same spot. You're in the same spot. We're going to definitely have to do the barbecue for sure. We got to make it happen. I, I just, yeah, I, I love good food. I'm from Texas. So we believe in filling up the plate and filling up the stomach. Oh, yeah. Well, as you saw from Kelly and I, we have no problem with that. You too. <laughs> we like fueling. <laughs> Fuel is a positive thing. Well, we digress a little bit, but the, the best advice there is never let them see you sweat. You're the one in charge. They're, you're the one there to see. Everybody's there to see. So just remember that. Have some fun with it and relax. Love it, Bridget. So, Bridget, I know I went a little bit over our time today, and I want to thank you on the behalf of Succeed A&P, 
all of the many listeners that are listening to this on behalf of McGraw-Hill Education have been very generous with your time. The one last question I have is how can the audience reach you, find out more questions about you, or just learn more about what you do in your consulting company? Absolutely. So one way to find out more about what I do at BMAC Talks is to visit my website, BMAC Talks. It's B-M-C-T-A-L-K-S dot com. That's B as in Bridget, M as in Mary, C as in Charlie. T-A-L-K-S dot com. Check out my blog and upcoming appearances and different topics on which I speak. Or you can reach out to me directly via email at Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T, at BridgetMcGowan.com. And that's M-C-G-O-W-E-N. Would love, love, love to just hear about your classroom experiences, your experiences with students, your teaching challenges, and let's get some answers to them and just how to be a rock star in the classroom. We can talk through some things and really have a fantastic conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Love that. And thank you once again, Bridget, for being on the show. And I would love to have you back on. So we're going to be paying attention to the blog again. We'll get some other topics out there, maybe brainstorm on the next phase. You know, maybe what we can do is a show mid-fall you know, because that's when everybody's going to be taking our advice here, right, on these new tactics and strategies. Maybe we'll recalibrate on that and talk about how do you manage, how do you maintain, or, you know, potentially what do you do if it uh, isn't working out so well yet, and how do you stick with it? It's a plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we'll be doing that maybe uh, mid-fall uh, or early part of fall, maybe October sometime, but it'll be a lot of fun. So on the behalf of the show, Bridget, thanks for being here today. Look forward to having you on the show again. And for all the audience listening, um, if you get a chance, please leave a rating on iTunes. That helps us get visibility on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're consuming your podcast. We appreciate that. And if you have any show suggestions, feel free to send those along. And we'll get those on the show roster. And, we'll- and once again, this is Jim Conley signing off for the Grow Microbiology Podcast. Have a great day.